Yeah, there is a lot of bad ways to invite people to church. That's definitely one of them. Uh, maybe lying to them is another one, bribing them. I mean, I bribe my kids to come to church, but I shouldn't bribe anybody else. Um, but the worst way to invite someone to church is to not invite them. Because if you don't invite them, they may never get the opportunity or the chance to hear the life-changing message that is Jesus loves them. And so I want to encourage you, in a, a few weeks, in a month, we have an Easter service. And it's going to be our first Easter service in person for two years. The last two Easter services have been online only. And we are just so excited to be able to worship together on Easter. And we really want to encourage you to invite someone to sit with you at church. Don't invite them to church. Invite them to sit with you so they know they have a place when they arrive. So invite someone to church. Um, some of you guys might know John Tupper. John and Sandy are sitting in the front row over here. Um, they are the ones responsible for the incredible Christmas lights show that was on the outside of the church this year in December. Uh, and a few years ago, I had a very interesting conversation with John uh, about the worship that we, the worship songs we sing here in Fort City. Uh, and he said a lot of the songs that we sing uh, point to God's creation uh, as a way for us to glorify God. And so we sing about mountains and we sing about oceans and we sing about as the deer panteth for the water. Uh, and uh, well, we don't sing that one anymore. It's been a long time since we sang that one. Uh, but John points out that for, for many of us, we like to look around us to God's created world uh, to worship him. Uh, and John made the point that he likes to look up. John is an astrophotographer. Uh, he uses a telescope to take pictures of worlds and solar systems far beyond our own, and he's really actually quite good at it. And so I'm going to show you a few of his pictures that he sent me this week. Uh, and just so you know, these pictures that I'm about to show you were taken from his backyard, just a few, uh, just a block away from the church here. So this first one is of the southern edge of the moon. Nope, back one. That's not the moon. That's the moon. John took this photo from his backyard. Uh, that's the southern edge of the moon, and the moon is 384,000 kilometers away, uh, roughly. Not exactly. Uh, that means that if you and I were to pile into the big white Youth with a Mission van together and start driving to the moon, it would take us driving 100 kilometers an hour 160 days of driving to get to the moon. That is a long time to listen to Matt's AM radio station favorites. I'm telling you, that would take a long time. Uh, this next picture, let's look at the next one. This is of the Great Nebula in the constellation Orion. If I get any of this wrong, John, you stop me and correct me, please. Uh, if you measure in light years, I'm going to get into some science here, uh, that, that is light years is how long it would take light traveling at the speed uh, at the speed of light for a whole year. Did I say that right? Is that close? <laughs> uh, it would take 1,335 years for the light traveling from this crazy nebula to arrive at John's telescope here on Earth. Um, I, that is this many kilometers. Do we have a number? I don't want to say it. We didn't put the number on there, did we? Oh, well, it's... Uh, it's like 17 digits long in kilometers. It is a very long ways away. Uh, yeah, you don't want to drive with Matt that far, no. 
listen to CBC radio, crazy person. Anyways, uh, John told me that when the light left this nebula on its way to Earth, uh, the Pope Agatha, am I saying that right? Probably not. Uh, had just become the first Pope to stop paying tribute to Constantine, Emperor Constantine. That was in the 600s. And so that's how long it took the light from this nebula to reach John's telescope. Okay, this is the last one. Uh, this is the Andromeda Galaxy. This, he took this from his backyard. This, to me, this is fascinating. It, is, it takes light from the Andromeda Galaxy 2.5 million light years to get to us here on Earth. Uh, I also have, that, that is like 25 digits of kilometers away. It's a huge number. Uh, and John let me know that we should actually be very concerned about the Andromeda Galaxy because it is literally on a collision course with our galaxy. And so in 5 billion years, they will collide. <laughs> so the countdown is on. See, John sent me these pictures this week, and, uh, and he sent, uh, and he closed the email with these pictures and these descriptions with a line from Hebrews. I'm going to read it to you. It said, in the beginning, Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth, and this is the part John likes, and the heavens are the work of your hands. God's created universe is exceedingly vast, and the truth is he isn't done. Uh, scientists believe that the universe is constantly expanding, that, that if we were trying to quantify that, the universe is actually expanding at around 60 kilometers per second. It's growing. God is not done creating. He is still creating. And John is a lot like King David from Scripture. They both looked to the sky and found themselves in awe of God. Now, David didn't have a powerful telescope like John does, but when David looked up into the Middle Eastern sky in the dark of night, and he saw the universe in all of its glory, and it inspired him to write this line from Psalm 8. When I look at the night sky and see the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars you set in place, what are mere mortals you should think about them, human beings that you should care for them? Who am I that God should care about me? I am so incredibly small. I am just one of billions in this universe. I am basically just dust. And yet, God cares about me. God spends time thinking about me. And Jesus may hold the universe together, as Paul said, but he actually holds us together too. Now, last week, my mom texted me, uh, the war crimes happening in Ukraine have, like many of us, have caused her to feel really heavy. And uh, she, she's been praying for Ukraine and that sort of thing. And she texted me, and this is exactly what she said. I'll read it to you. So, dot, dot, dot. Every time I try to pray about something, anything, I have to quit. Because anything I'm asking for is so trivial in relation to what's happening in Ukraine. I know one shouldn't outweigh the other, but I feel too guilty asking God for anything. It was hard for her to pray because her circumstances seem so small in comparison with what's happening in Ukraine. And she's not alone in her thinking. 
it can sometimes be hard for us to pray because well, the problems uh, around us seem so big and, and the problems that we have seem maybe smaller in comparison. We struggle to pray because it feels so small and unimportant. But here's the thing. God, the God of the universe, he wants to hear from you. He wants to hear what is on your heart and on your mind. And yes, he put the stars in the sky and he threw the moon so it orbits around the earth. And, and, and he did all those things. And, and it's fine to be like David and to, to look up there and look out and say, who am I? What am I? I'm so small. I'm just a mere mortal. Yes, that's okay to, 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 to ask a question like that. Who am I? But we need to know that the answer is we are his beloved. We are his friend. We are his family. And he cares about us. It's a mystery to me that even though God is all-powerful, all-knowing, and ever-present, he still cares about me. He still cares about missing long johns. Thank you for that story this morning, Mark. Now, today is the last message in our series about prayer. And we talk about prayer here at Fort City because we believe that prayer is essential. We believe it's essential to growing your faith. It's essential to knowing Jesus more deeply. But even more than that, we talk about prayer because no matter how big or small our prayers feel, God has invited us to come to him with them. Paul told the church in Philippi, he said, don't worry about anything. Instead, Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Bring it all to God. Your worries about Ukraine and your worries about your kids. What you are grateful for and where you still need God's provision in your life. Bring him your thankfulness and your unanswered prayers. This week, I asked a simple question online on Facebook. Uh, I just asked the question, do you pray? And there was a lot of good answers, but I think my favorite one was from Kyle. She just simply said, every day, God wants us to pray. He wants you to come to him with all the things. To pray in the morning after you drop the kids off at school. To pray on the bus coming home from work. Maybe not out loud. Don't be that guy. But uh, pray in the waiting room at the doctor. He wants to hear from you. God cares about what you have to share with him. And a lot of things happen when we pray. Many things happen when we pray. But today I want to focus on just two things. And to answer these two questions, see, there's this question, what happens to us when we pray? What happens to us when we pray? And what happens around us when we pray? And we're going to look at those two ideas. And to, to understand those two ideas better, we're going to look at two days in the life of Jesus. Two very bad days in the life of of Jesus, And we're going to see that on those days, Jesus prayed when he was angry, hurting, and anxious. And see if we can learn something about prayer from Jesus. So first, let's look at the story of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. It's the night before he, his death. And it's a real low point for Jesus in a lot of ways. Uh, he had just had a, a meal with his closest friends, the disciples, and, and I'm sure there were others there. And, and, and they, it's the night where, he, you know, the story where he held up the wine and the bread and kind of instituted the first communion. It was the very first communion ever shared. It was that night. A communion is something that we still do 2,000 years later as a church. 
And only a few minutes after, after that very first communion, Jesus told these, these guys, his closest friends, that among them was one of them who was going to betray Jesus. That in the 12 disciples, one had planned to turn Jesus over to those who wanted him dead. Jesus was being betrayed in this moment. Now, you likely know how devastating it is to be hurt by somebody you trust and love. Guess what? Jesus knows it, too. And then after this, in the middle uh, of all of this, the disciples started to argue about which one of them was the greatest. And so Jesus spent the last three years with these guys trying to convince them that the, the first will be last and the least will be the greatest. His, his whole message of this upside down kingdom where nothing seems to make sense. And here on his last night with them, they're making it clear that they just don't get it. You may know, probably know what it feels like to fail. Jesus understands how you feel. And then in the middle of all this, Peter speaks up and he says, Jesus no matter what happens, I will never leave your side. And then Jesus has to tell Peter, Peter, you know what? Before the sun even comes out tomorrow, you're going to deny ever having known me. You probably know what it feels like to be abandoned by a friend. Jesus does too. That night, Jesus' heart was heavy. There was a lot going on in his relationships. Judas was about to betray him. The disciples were arguing, and Peter is about to abandon him. So what does Jesus do? You could probably guess. He goes to a quiet place to pray. See, Jesus knows what's coming for him the next day. He knows that he will be beaten and flogged and nailed to a tree, and, and he's overwhelmed with emotion. Luke tells us that he actually began to sweat blood that's how stressed Jesus is in this moment. He kneels to the ground and he prays. And he says, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. See, Jesus, in his last moments on earth, prays that God the Father would prevent his coming suffering. And it's this moment that makes me love Jesus even more. I get it. It's what I would do. He hurts and he fails and he suffers. And when it all felt like too much, he went to God and he said, God, please, this is too much. I don't want to suffer anymore. Jesus was asking God to change his immediate circumstances. But we know what happened, don't we? God didn't change Jesus' immediate circumstance. The next day, Jesus did suffer and die on a criminal's cross. And here's what I've learned from this story this week. Praying doesn't always change our circumstances, but it can always change us. God may not do exactly what we ask him to do around us, but he is always willing to change us on the inside to allow us to be able to do that hard thing. That night, Jesus prayed, asking God the Father to change his circumstances. But instead, God changed him. He was given the strength and the resolve to do exactly what he needed to do to do that hard thing that next day, to drink the cup of suffering and to bear the weight of the sin of the whole world. 
And sometimes you are going to pray for God to change your circumstances, and he's not going to do it. But in the act of prayer, of coming to him with your hurts and your anxieties and your needs, he is always willing to change you, to give you courage to do the hard thing, to give you strength to forgive, to give you patience to endure and and joy to overcome. Don't let unanswered prayers change how you feel about God. Let your unanswered prayers change how you feel about you. Let's look, at, let's look at another day, another dark day in the life of Jesus. Jesus had become close friends with uh, a family, Mary, Martha, and their brother, Lazarus. And we don't know the details of this friendship. We know they spent time together. We don't know the exact details. But we do know that Jesus felt uh, a deep connection with this family. Um, When Lazarus died unexpectedly, uh, Jesus felt it intensely. Uh, Seeing Mary and Martha, Lazarus' sisters, in mourning moved Jesus. And Jesus grieved alongside them. And And for Jesus, grief showed up initially as anger. Jesus was angry. His grief caused him to be angry. And, 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 and he had deep sorrow. And John, who witnessed uh, Jesus going through these stages of grief, uh, simply wrote, he wept. It's the shortest verse in, the, in your Bible. John didn't describe it any more than to say that Jesus wept. It's a good one, isn't it, Coyote? It's easy to remember. Of all the powerful images of Christ that there are, Jesus crying for his lost friend Lazarus is one I cherish. In this painful moment, Jesus turned his eyes towards heaven. In his grief for his friend, he turned his eyes towards heaven in prayer. And with a crowd gathered around where Lazarus had been laid in the tomb, Jesus prayed aloud. His sorrow, grief, he went straight to prayer again. This is what John tells us. He said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. But I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe you sent me. And then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. And Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. I love the way Jesus did this. I know you hear me. But I'm saying it so they will hear. This is like when my wife is in the kitchen and I just kind of hear her say just loud enough, wow, look at all of these dishes in here. She's not saying it for for her own benefit. She's hoping I will hear. Or when she looks out the window in the summer, wow, the grass is really long. She's not saying it for her own benefit. She's saying it for me. This is what Jesus is doing right now. He's praying and he says, God, I know that you always hear me. And I'm only saying it this way because I want them to know you always hear. I want for them to, be, for them to know that there be no doubt in their minds that what is about to happen only happened because of you. Sometimes when we pray, God changes us. But sometimes when we pray, God dramatically changes our circumstances. Don't be afraid to pray for the things that feel too big to even hope for. Because he brings death to life. He fixes broken things and he heals where we are hurting. 
He wants you to pray the big, scary prayers. The, only, the ones that only he can pull off. And so only he will receive the glory. The sort of prayers that Doug has been preaching about the last two weeks. Sun, stand still. Prayers, big, impossible things that only God can do. And it has been good for me to sit into this room and to listen to Doug preach along these lines the last two weeks. Uh, I, I struggle with big prayers. Um, last year, our staff team here at the church took an uh, innovation assessment. Uh, it's a personality assessment, kind of like the Myers-Briggs uh, or the Enneagram, except it's focused on a person's uh, way and the ability that they have to innovate. Um, there are 20 different categories you can fall into, and I was um, the category I fell into was trusted caretaker. You can see it in the top left corner over there. Um, a trusted caretaker essentially is, says that uh, I am a reliable person who delivers consistent results and growth, basically like a gardener who nurtures uh, a plant. And now all the way at the opposite side of the spectrum, in the bottom right corner, is the futuristic pioneer. Uh, this is Doug, the complete opposite of me. Total opposite uh, ends of the spectrum. Uh, the, uh, a futuristic pioneer, uh, they don't garden a plant, or they don't you know, take care of a plant. Uh, they look way ahead into the future, and they forge new paths, and they challenge people to think differently. So if I'm like the trusted caretaker who talks to his plants gently so they'll grow, uh, Doug is a futuristic pioneer who flies a rocket ship to the moon in search of plants we've never discovered before. We work well together. But that is Doug. His ideas are big and his prayers are even bigger. And when he tells you to pray sun standstill prayers, you need to know he practices what he preaches. And I am learning sitting next to him that I need to pray for bigger things and expect God to move in bigger ways than I think he wants to. Here's what I want us to walk away today having learned. And I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up. Now we're going to close out with a moment of prayer and a moment of worship. This is what I want us to walk away from today having discovered. And when God doesn't answer your prayers the way you ask him to or expect him to, it doesn't mean he doesn't hear you and doesn't care. He hears and he cares. And just because God maybe didn't answer your prayers in the past, doesn't mean you should stop praying. Especially for the big, scary, uncomfortable, risky prayers in our lives. Now, I want to tell you something cool that uh, happened here at Fort City two weeks ago. Um, <clears throat> we, at the end of our services, we have a prayer team each week. They stand off to the side here, and we invite anyone in the room who has a prayer request uh, to come to these people, and they'll pray for you. Um, they'll pray for anything. These people know what they're doing. They're good at praying. They love praying. And so that's why we do it. They, they'll pray for you for anything. And um, uh, two weeks ago, Dean and Brune were uh, our prayer team members over on the side here. And they prayed for a couple of people. Uh, there was a bit of a lineup. And uh, they prayed for a couple of people. And then it was a young guy's turn that had been waiting in line. And he came up to them and, and Brune said, uh, Hey, what can we pray for you for? 
And he said, well, I don't have anything specific, but maybe you could just listen to God and see if he has something that, he, you know, he wants me to know today. Whew. Right? That, Brune said she just instantly felt anxious and nervous. Who, who is she that, that she could hear from God and share something with this guy? And, and they're expecting him to share something with them that they could pray for. But instead he says, what can, what, what can you do for me? And so they take a moment and they pray for him. And then Dean, he, uh, Brune's husband, Dean, starts praying for the guy. And he prays along the lines of Psalm 119.105. He shares the verse and he, he prays it for this guy. And the Psalm 119.105 says, Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light for my path. Dean and Brune, they finish praying for him. And they open their eyes only to see this guy had this big grin on his face. And he held out his wrist and on his wrist was written Psalm 119, 105. Crazy, right? Impossible. You know how many verses are in the Bible that Dean could have picked to pray for this guy? There's a lot. And yet in that moment, God spoke to Dean so that this guy could walk away from church that morning knowing that it is true that God is lighting up his path in his life. Prayer isn't about changing us and it isn't just about changing our circumstances it's also about hearing from God about listening for his guiding voice and at Fort City we we really do believe that God wants to hear from you but we also really do believe that God wants you to hear from him and so we're going to do something practical this morning as we close out our service I know you love practical things we're going to do something practical in a moment, we're going to let the band play just quietly in the background. And I'm going to give you a question that I want you to ask God. And we're just going to sit here silently, awkwardly. You could close your eyes. But I want you to take this question I'm going to give you and just quietly in your own heart and mind, just take a quiet moment where we kind of let the distractions of our lives and kind of fade away a bit and just go, God, what's your answer to this? Just take a few quiet moments to see if there's something he wants to share with you. And I do believe there are people in this room today who are going to hear from God. I know silence can be awkward. I know for some of you this is going to be way outside your comfort zone. That's okay. You can just close your eyes and pretend you're doing it. Nobody will know. I believe that God wants to hear from you this morning. And I believe he wants you to hear from him. And so I'm going to pray. And then I'm going to give you a question, and we're going to just spend a few moments, not, not too long, just listening to God, see if he has something to share with us this morning. So let me pray. Jesus, I thank you that you care for us. That you put the moon and the stars in, the, in their place. And that even though we are just mere mortals, mere humans, that you have chosen us to be in relationship with you, and that you have chosen to care for us and to love us. You said, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. And so Jesus, this morning we want to hear from you. We want to hear from you. So many of us need to hear from you this morning. And so Jesus, speak loudly and help us to open our ears to hear. I pray this in your holy names. Amen. So let's take a moment. This first question, we're going to do two questions. I want you to ask Jesus, Jesus, what are you teaching me through a prayer 
that hasn't been answered yet. Something you have been praying that God has not answered yet for you. So let's take a moment, let's ask Jesus this question, and we'll take a moment to quietly listen. I think for some of you, I might be interrupting God right now, speaking with you. You might have to pick up this conversation with him a little bit later. And let's ask a second question. Jesus, what bold prayer do you want me to be praying that I'm not praying? Let's take a moment. wants to hear from us and he wants us to hear from him and I want to encourage you this morning if there is something rising up in you an answer to these questions uh, I encourage you to share that with somebody today at lunch in the lobby make it real like Jesus outside that tomb saying it out loud just so other people can hear so share that if, if God is speaking to you this morning I encourage you to share it we're going to spend a few moments in worship together now. We're going to put Jesus at the center of all that we're doing now. And so please, if you'd like, if you can, stand with us as we worship. 